Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, mixing winter and spring, my good buddy, producer extraordinaire, Cameron Coy. He's got the hoodie, but he's also got a little bit of a V-neck going on. So I, I really like that look, Cameron. Just trying to keep you on your toes, man. That's what I'm doing. I mean, you are, as we've talked about, you are my fashion icon. So I'm always <laughs> popping onto this call for whatever is the cleanest, freshest look for mm. the season. Cameron, <laughs> you know what's not clean or fresh for the season? Alchemy. Unfortunately, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. There's actually been a lot of discussion this week. Um, and by the way, I, I will, you know, and I'll never hesitate to give us some credit, right? We, we address many of the things that I think have become criticism since the format began. Um, but first, I do want to ask, like, did you play some Magic this week? How, I did, was, man. Was, was the uh, did we throw the baby out with the bathwater on Sunday, or were you able to get back to it? I was able to get back to it, uh, but just taking a little breather right now away from arena, we're not in good terms right now. Uh, mm, so fair. going back to the roots, going back to paper, um, sold my Arlen's are all runs epiphanies um, and put them into blue black control. Bought myself uh, some Sedgemore Witches, which cost me 10 bucks, And I thought that was a good investment um, because I love that card. And playing that in that tempo control list that's using Leer, um, I have like one Soren, and then just a bunch of like divided by zeros, behold the multiverse. You know, like it, it it's like that just straight up tempo control list um, where you're just trying to overwhelm your opponent with Sedgemore Witch. Uh, and I had some really good success, went 3-1. Um, the only game that I lost against was against Blue-Red Control, which I feel like they just have a better count. Like, they're able to just counter some of the things that I'm doing, and they have the removal in order to get rid of the Sedgemore Witch. Um, and then they, you know, they have Cold Span and All Run. So, mm -hmm. there you go, right? Um, but... This list does extremely well, remarkably well, I would say, against some of like the tier one, tier like those really good decks of mono white, mono green, Jund. I feel like I have game against, I should say I, I have game. I feel like this deck with the right card draw can just kind of just not worry about something like mono white. Um, mm -hmm. There's enough really good removal spells. There's enough, like, I'm just going to bounce something back to their hand to remove all the plus one, plus one counters from Luminarch. You know, I mean, you can do so many good things where it's like, as long as you can stay ahead with tempo, you're going to be okay. And then, you know, have Sedgemore and um, just win by just sheer numbers. Um, so I had really a really good time about this. Um commiserated with a lot of other paper players who some have never even touched arena and they have kind of like this uh, smug sense of superiority of like why would i ever do that you know um but it was the just, answer is to get good. better at magic but whatever <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> but it was good to talk to everybody else just about that and kind of have a for me a vent session honestly about um last week Awesome, dude. Well, more importantly, I'm just going to get that address of that place that you went 3-1. I think I might need to hit that. <laughs> right. Um, 
see how I do. Um, no, uh, dude, this is how how long we've been out of the loop. When's the last time I made a joke about your uh, how you play inability to win? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We used to play Katy Perry's Roar when Cameron would yeah. actually win an F&M, which I believe actually happened for the first time like a hundred and some odd episodes. <laughs> right? We've grown a lot, I it's suppose. True. Yeah, um, I guess. Oh, dude, memories. Um, yeah, that just all came flooding back to me. It was like the spidey <laughs> sense of like, oh, wait, you can mock Cameron for having a winning record? When's the last time that happened? <coughs> you know, I mean, it's no legacy event where you went, uh, one, one, and three. That was the chef's kiss. <laughs> That's being kind. Of, I think it was o oh, one and three. <laughs> well, it was exactly five hundred, whatever it was. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Oh. Uh. Good times, man. Um. Hey, I also. <clears throat> I'm doing a lot of like figuring out what it is that I need to do with myself. Mm. In terms of magic, because uh, Arena has been my go-to, you know, really this whole time, uh, you know, and I'm kind of starting to get some breathing room, not to get too much into the personal life things, but now my youngest is kind of getting a little bit older to the point where it's not such a big ask for me to go to a Friday Night Magic, right? Sure. As it was before. <laughs> there is a shop that's like 20 minutes away from me. Um, it is not my quote normal shop. My normal shop that I love to go to is like 45 minutes away, but a standard's dead there and B it's quite a commitment to go. So I'm really struggling with, okay, what does this mean? Do I just, and the shop that's 20 minutes away has a burgeoning flesh and blood scene. Does that mean I just hop to that while I'm playing paper? Then it's like, wait a minute, Curtis, you are doing a magic, the gathering show. (laughs) So (laughs) you have to, I have to find an outlet and, so I will say, hey, I played just standard on Arena. I didn't notice any lag for me to get into standard queues yet. I know that was a thing that people are concerned about with Alchemy is will standard wither on the vine? It could still happen. I just didn't notice any kind of like issues with me getting into a match, right? I fired mm-hmm. off two just a second ago. Um, still playing green-black control, which I like that deck pre- probably too much. It's not very good, um, <coughs> but it is... A lot of fun. And then I also, blue-black is kind of where, you know, my heart is. Uh, I think every time I cast Divide by Zero, I like it more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in conjunction with Lear, you just get into, like, we've said this before, some kind of nasty blowouts. It makes you wonder if Divide by Zero should just be seeing play in other formats. Like, we're kind of getting to that stage now where the, the card advantage, it's kind of like Squadron Hawk where you get this massive card advantage with cards that really aren't that great, but it's kind of like, who cares if they're not that great? Because it's still more cards, right? Um, But I've also considered, like, do I just become limited guy? Man, if you were limited guy this whole time, it's all just rolling off your back. Whatever, man. I'm going to keep drafting. Um, And I do love to draft. The thing that I... Love and hate about draft is the fact that I feel like limited is the most skill-intensive form of magic and requires the most study. And mm. so sometimes when I'm, and I'll be the first to admit, uh, sometimes when I'm super busy, I kind of feel lazy. And I'm like, I'm just going to sleep up, storm, go to modern night. Who cares what other people are playing? Because I'm a playing storm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and constructed standard kind of has middle ground there. 
I do feel like, um, especially sideboarding, sometimes I'm get lost. I'll get lost if I'm not super in depth on the meta game. Uh, but limited, it's like, man, if you don't know the set, two weeks into it, you are toast. You are not coming back from that. And I mean, I li- I listen to limited resources like every week. You know, all these things, and I still struggle with what's going on in limited just to stay up on it. So, mm-hmm. um, I think th- I think the answer is Cameron. Um, just going and playing paper cards again, being that guy. It's refreshing. And, uh, you know, having a year and a half break really, um, makes me cherish it even more, especially all things considered right now. Yeah. I would also say that for me, I rely on the digital client a lot to just get better Mm -hmm. and know a format. And so, uh, maybe arena needs to stop becoming that. And I, Maybe I play test again, right? Cameron, like you and I could actually just do webcams and like play test standard. We could do that. That's that crazy. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It, these are things that I'm mulling around in my head. But I know like through Discord, you can just do that all the time mm-hmm, and just play mm-hmm. standard matches and kind of get back get back to the roots is maybe where I'm headed probably won't get there until the spring just knowing my life um but yeah there's been a lot of kind of evaluation of like okay if they're going to treat me like this what does that mean for the future for me with digital magic which means cameron we're going to get out of this segment we're going to come back and we're going to hit alchemy part two I, i want this to be kind of more about community reactions and where we think things are headed so we'll be right back All right, Cameron, so tell me if you've heard this one before. Um, Watsy makes an announcement. There's a negative reaction. There's a reaction to the reaction that is, I would say, like, you know, you're an MTG boomer. You don't get it. You're claiming this is going to kill magic when it's not. LOL, get with the times. And then we kind of settle in on some other things. And I feel like we're, again, kind of in that where... There was a lot of discussion about digital cards versus non-digital cards, whatever. But there's kind of two things that have really come out of this that I think we hit pretty substantially (laughs) that now have been more and more pronounced. Is that the idea that Historic is now linked to these nerfed cards, or not always nerfed, but altered cards. Mm -hmm. And that essentially, your deck could be that you spent massive amount of wild cards on to get in historic could be significantly altered um, and not quote safe um, with, with no recourse, no wild card. So I don't think they're going to change this, but I, I'm asking you, Cameron, would you rather it be the regular standard versions of these cards end up in historic? Would you rather them offer um, wild cards? I mean, I don't think they're going to do both, mm-hmm. but what do you think would be the ideal solution if you were in charge of this whole operation? Oh, man, if I was in the day, ideally what I would want is the cards that I know and love and have played for over a decade now um, are those cards. Plain and simple. That clear cut. That's what I want. Obviously, that's the um, that's not where they're heading. And, um, yeah, like... Um, 
when I, I mean, I haven't, I have not touched Historic since they introduced the digital only cards, and it didn't really sit well with me then. I had kind of, I think we both were kind of sensing like, oh, this is kind of the direction they're going to be going. Um, I wasn't thinking that they would actually rewrite and nerf cards, um, but here we are, and um, all those brainstorms, faithless lootings, and everything else that I bought. Or like not bought, but you know, purchased with uh, wild wild cards with with my gems, um, yeah, those are going to be nerfed, and they're not going to be the same cards that I play in the formats that I know and love. Yeah, Pleasant Kenobi, uh, he had a video on this where the example was Luminarch Aspirant, and Luminarch Aspirant is apparently in the Death and Taxes deck in Historic. And now it is nerfed, so the 1-1 one, one counter goes on the instep, not in combat, and essentially makes it an unplayable card <coughs> in Death and Taxes. Um, there are, there's almost assuredly going to be other examples of this. Um, and I think it is... I, I really do respect people that wanted Historic to be like, okay, hey, we're going to have some digital-only cards, but... I don't want altered versions of cards that previously existed or were printed in paper. I think that is a reasonable stance to have, okay? And I don't want to make it come off like I'm saying that's a crazy thing. You're right. You and I, once we kind of smelled what Watsi was cooking with the digital-only cards, there was a very real concern about this direction. Mm -hmm. And I got to be honest with you, dude. I feel like as long as they're going to do nurse in standard they're going to do them in historic. I just feel like there is a certain level of historic player, non-rotating player attitude that what happens in standard, who cares? Because it doesn't affect me because I'm outside of that. Yep. And that's just not realistic. They're not going to do that. And I, I get it, believe me. And I'm sure if you were to pull the previous 200 episodes of this show, we would say, be a legacy player, be a modern player, be in a non-rotating format. And there was this great... Uh, article. I, I do think we should link it in the show notes um, about kind of uh, what is actually happening in Magic writ large. And it's basically saying, uh, and it's okay, it's the website is FD Territory, right? And the, the article is called The Ultimate Reason for Alchemy and MTG Perpetual Rotation. And you and I have kind of been banging this drum the last like probably 30, 40 episodes. Rotations hit all of us now, whether you're a commander, legacy, modern player. Like, stop living in Candyland where it's like, you know, and you've heard this thing repeated over and over again from legacy players. Oh, standard? What kind of idiot just keeps buying standard cards? Yeah. Right? If you just buy your legacy cards, you can hold on to them forever and you don't have to worry about it. But now you, they've been, like, hard targeted by these things, right? And if you're not playing Raghavan's Merktide Regent, you know, uh, Dragon Rage Channeler, add your card here. Right. And historic yep. has been is fallen victim to the same thing. And now this is what alchemy is. So this is the marching orders for what Watsi wants to do. Keep your audience always engaged. Keep them always buying new cards. It doesn't matter what kind of player it is. To keep them quote engaged means to constantly sell them things. Um and I, I just thought this article was really good, but he points out something like Tarmogoyf which was an unthinkably good staple in modern, is now, I mean, 
laughable. <laughs> like it's com- completely not functional, right? A decent rare? <laughs> Is it even decent anymore? I mean, like I honestly, I guess I haven't been, you know, fully engaged in you know, modern jund, but like there's so many other better cards out there, man. I mean, literally anything from Modern Horizons 2 is better. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And we're talking Tarmogoyce for $180 at one point or something. And I, again, Easy, right? Look, 150 yeah. <laughs> some cards go down in price. Like, you know, this is not, you know, Terravore was a staple. Nimble Mongoose was a staple. Some of these things aren't necessarily terrible. But the point is, is like once they print these things, you as a, a Eternal Format player, if you're truly competitive, you're either forced to buy them or answer them or one of the two. And this is where we kind of need to evaluate, like, A, as a eternal format players, our suggestions to people. Because I've been saying it for a little while, but I think it kind of needs to be kind of the new conventional wisdom. Standard is where the value is now. You can buy, I mean, I don't know what you've been buying standard decks for, but it's a pittance. Less than a hundred, I mean, like the price of like half a Ragavan, <laughs> you know. I mean, like, yeah, a yeah, deck, and you, like a playable deck, yeah. And you can win that back if you're a serious FM player, uh, and you, you play well, you can win that back in a season plus profit, no problem. Ain't gonna happen with the legacy deck, right? I and this is not me poo pooing legacy, I think it's a great format, I think it was the best format in, in Magic for many, many years. Um, now they're adding a bunch of joke unhinged cards to it, which is super, just super cool. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I just, I really don't know what to make of this being clearly the direction where they want to go and what I should do besides retreat to standard and limited, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the professor at Tolarian Community College, he proposed a video where he said, here's the solution, Pioneer. Just straight up Pioneer on Arena, which, as you'll recall, was a promised thing. Um, but it's not happening, clearly. Um, if they went to you and said, hey, we're doing Pioneer Masters. We're going to make Pioneer on this client. Uh, you happy with that camera or has the trust been like truly broken? I mean, if <clears throat> it's on thin, thin ice right now. I mean, I would be very excited to see something like Pioneer on there. Mainly because, like you, I, I I treat the digital one as either. Well, I have nothing else. I can't. I can't. I literally can't do this paper thing that I love right now. Or I'm using it for practice and for reps. Um, the way that I was using MTGO was never competitive, but it was a great practice place for my legacy deck. Um, that's what I want. I really want. That and I would love for there to be that analog on Arena, but yeah, I mean, I I I don't I just is that actually going to happen? Is are they going to actually have an Omnath over here and an Omnath over here, and we're going to live in that world? I just don't. The way that this trajectory is, I just feel like we've crossed a a line that I don't think we'll ever get back back to. I mean, just short of them recanting or going back and saying, hey, this was a bad plan. Now we want to do this. And that just ain't going to happen. No. Like, and and again, you know, I'm talking about questioning this leadership. I just don't know what metrics they're using to think this is a good idea. Now, again, 
Alchemy on their and they might be seeing Alchemy and it might be a huge hit. But I would argue that unless it is a massive hit, it's really not worth it. The confusion, the splitting of your player base, the angering of many established players. But then if it is a huge hit, you kind of live in this world now of like, okay, are these the alchemy versions of these cards for this or that? When I sit down to play cube, am I going to be playing the alchemy versions? Because then again, that's not going to be very intriguing to me because when I cube, I want the cards to be one thing. Um, it's just hard to imagine a scenario where th- this is worth it. And I'm, I'm constantly reminded by people, like through podcasts and all this, oh, well, this is the most successful Magic's ever been. They've never sold more cards. My counter to that would be this. Every single collectible has seen an up, uptick in the last two years. So you could maybe say that it doesn't really matter what they would have done. Look at Pokemon. Pokemon sold out for many months in the United States, like the card game, right? Yeah. So I, I'm just not convinced that there's a correlation between these decisions and success. And milking whales, I don't know if that's really worth your long-term, like just mortgaging your last long-term you know, player base for this. Um, but like, I, it's hard not to think, okay, either one of two things are true. This is actually going to have a series of disastrous consequences for magic as we head down the road, or magic is completely and fundamentally going to change to a successful esport slash video game slash web client. And I really don't think the latter's true. Right? Um, a lot of dominoes still need to fall, and they're just... I don't even know if they're placed up yet, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm not trying to rehash too much of last last time, but it was kind of interesting to see people say, hey, give it a try, we'll see, or who cares about standard? And then they realize, oh, wait, historic is affected, A. B, this is insanely expensive. And C, a bunch of the other promises aren't coming along. So I just hope more and more content creators, you know, players like I, I would call them public facing players mm-hmm. are a little bit more upfront about their criticisms of this because I, I just I just really found a huge ways wave of dismissiveness of like don't be such a Luddite you know uh, this is the future and it's like I understand like I understand all these things mm-hmm. <coughs> I have a I client th- right now a client that won't actually close unless I force quit it okay like, <laughs> it's a bug. And, like, there are more of those than there are good things about <laughs> the digital-only card product right now, man. There's so many fixes they need to do. Yeah, yeah, dude. And <sighs> and I just, I just think, like, it's easy to kind of group all the criticism together as, like, oh, you just don't understand where we're headed. And it's a digital-only future, baby. Pew, pew, esports. And it's just, like, this is... This is a bad series of plans, guys. And all right. Well, hey, I've harped on this enough. Sorry. Uh, next week, I'll probably be playing more standard. I might even draft Crimson Val, get my teeth kicked in a little bit. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We'll see. Or maybe I'll just check out the local flesh and blood scene, Cameron. So uh, let's get out of this segment and talk about a, a game that's actually taking a turn for the better. We'll be right back. All right, Cameron, so we got to talk about Halo Infinite, uh, the year-delayed um, return to playing as Master Chief. Um, 
you you kind of went through a stretch where you game passed and you just shotgunned right through a bunch of the Halo games, right? Yeah. So you I played believe. a lot of these recent recently. Yeah, last year played one through four and Reach. Um, the only Halo I haven't played actually would be, I guess the ODS, ODST one that came out on the 360, and then five, um, mm-hmm. just because it wasn't at the time part of the Master Chief Collection. Uh, I have a real complicated, I think a lot of people probably do, a relationship with Halo. Um, it was the game for me that kind of defined video games in college. Um, came out at the time when like roommates got together to have LAN parties to play multiplayer Halo. It was like that sort of thing. I remember playing the campaign and being wowed at the time, thinking like this is seriously like one of the best video game campaigns like there's an actual story it it just it really um sunk its teeth into me i really really dug it um and then you know like i just didn't care about two three um all the way through (laughs) you know like i've i've heard things about them or whatever um but i just always felt like it's it's a very competent shooter and i don't really care about anything else um especially the lore and whatnot um i feel like it just Sometimes it's way too into itself, um, and they need to just take a step back. Much like Destiny, like I feel like it's probably the same writers where it's like the chosen one and the alchemist, and like I mean, you know, like everything begins with the. Um, it's super annoying. Um, but this Halo Infinite, um, open world, you know, the first hour I would say I was not real. I was like, oh gosh, this just feels like. Halo, I'm on a spaceship corridor. It's not that interesting. I heard that this was supposed to be different. Um, it wasn't until you get you have to really get into the open world part, part of it um, where, dude, it becomes like this beautiful marriage of Breath of the Wild, Far Cry, uh, maybe a little like Skyrim. Jam that all together with a really competent shooter that is the Halo series. Um I've been having a blast with this. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, so <clears throat> I, I feel like, first of all, I need to be like the founding member of the Halo 4, Halo 5 Defense Force. People <laughs> talk about those games like they're just utter garbage, and 1, 2, and 3 are brilliant. 1 is one of the most important console games ever made. I would never say mm-hmm. otherwise. And I do, I do honestly think three is better than four and five but like they're not four and five aren't like so incredibly massively different as to you know what i mean like people talk about them like they're massive departures Mm -hmm. and they're not it's it's kind of like metallica where people always talk about you know load is so different than all the other ones and it's like no no no, that started to happen with the black album guys that's the Mm -hmm. change right um and so Whatever. The point being is, we were talking about Reach, and I mean, I love Reach. I think I just love that kind of story. I love Rogue One as well. Yeah. So, uh, but that has like a really clean, kind of really nice story to it. Um, <coughs> where some of the other, like Halo 5 storyline, disaster. But the gameplay is just off the hook, I thought. Mm-hmm. So, um, this, like you, the first couple missions, I was like, ooh, this is a little stale and what's weird is when you're in the interiors i mean i have to do them side by side i think halo 5 looks better um 
Okay. But then it's when you realize you get into the open world, you're like, oh, this is an open world engine, not a corridor shooter engine, right? Yeah. And, and so that, I think, is a real noticeable... Because Halo 5 is like a knockout. And yeah, like when you get into the open world, you're like, oh, this is why this game doesn't look mm-hmm. super great is because it's trying to give you this massive draw distance and all this. I will say, first of all, keeping the long-standing tradition, the best thing about this series, not even close, is the music. The music mm. is always 100, man. A++++. And this one is no different. I know mm-hmm. it's a different composer, but they nail it in my experience. So there's yeah. that. Um, but here's what's weird. is There's so much of this that is Breath of the Wild or Far Cry, but for whatever reason... I like taking down a compound so much more in this than I do in Far Cry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably because there's variability in the weapons and the enemies that you face a little bit. I mean, Far Cry, like, what was the one that took place in, like, Montana? I always felt like I was, you know, fighting the same version of the same guy over and over. And while, yes, there are certain enemy types or whatever, uh, the variance of what happens in those fights makes it so interesting. And, dude, Mm -hmm. I stink. I die all the time. Yeah. And it doesn't frustrate me because it's ridiculous fun. Right? Yeah. I don't know how many times I've accidentally, like, blown myself up, <laughs> shot myself off a cliff, whatever. Yeah. And so. Two best additions to this game, without a doubt, are that grapple gun, the, the, what you can do with that, yeah. and the absurdity and the fun that you can have with that. Um, just don't even attempt to use any of the additional power-ups that you might have. Just stick with the grapple gun. And then the other best addition to this game, hands down, and I put a little meme here, which is, uh, you know, the guy look, the guy walking with girlfriend and he stares back at the pretty lady. Well, it's the meme of just, like, all the guns that are the girlfriend and then the new pretty girl is the uh, energy containers that you can throw. Oh, yeah. And, dude... The absurd things you can do with those energy energy containers and the chain reactions you can have if they're like because they, they're kind of perfectly spaced. The, the designers knew what they were doing, where you can just create utter chaos. On top of that, I don't know if you know this, you can grab them with the grapple gun. Game changer! It is just the best. I I, <laughs> I have had so much fun trying to chain combos with with the grapple gun and the energy containers to. When you throw them, you essentially like you Heisman Hail Mary throw them and then they explode and they have either electricity or acid or anything like that. It's so good. Dude, I love it when you mess up your football metaphors. The football guy, the Heisman guy is running with the football, not throwing it. (laughs) Sure, whatever. (laughs) But, you know, awesome. Uh Is it? Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was great. But this is a throwback show. Um, no, like that, and I do feel like there's a certain. While the story is, I'd say, uh, still convoluted in spots that it probably shouldn't be. Um, just by having the pilot and some of these other things, kind of brings it a little bit more heart than your traditional Halo story. Where you're right. It's a bunch of the this, the this, the this. Got to take care of the this. And you're like, okay. And then Cortana. And you're like, oh, whatever. Yeah. So whereas this is a lot more, 
you know, you're, everybody's got kind of a character motivation that makes a little bit more sense. Um, are we to Mass Effect levels? Absolutely not. Does the, you know, fourth wall break down horribly all the time? You know, like, you, you're supposed to take it serious. You're supposed to take down this compound. And then the next thing you know, you're doing ramp jumps with a mongoose <laughs> before, you, before you assault the compound. That kind of falls apart a little bit, right? Um, but that's okay. Like, because at the end of the day, it's just really fun, right? Mm-hmm. And if we could just zoom out a little bit, Microsoft has really needed these games to be home runs. Like, they get a lot of, I, I would say, crap from me, other people. Oh, yeah, another Forza, another Halo, another Gears. But the truth is, both the Forza and the Halo this year have been really good. Like, really, really yeah. good. Yeah. So, as long as you make good games, you're in good shape, right? And if you offer them at this, like, alarmingly cheap rate, it's even better. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, dude, I, I've totally loved it. Um, yeah, man. So, if someone would like to get a hold of you, squad up. Which, by the way, this week, I can't wait for co-op on this. Oh, You know, man. we're going to go to yeah. some. Yeah. Get ready for some gravity hammer action. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> but when that comes out, if someone would like to squad up with you, Cameron, where do they find you? At Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. We will check you guys next week.